You're listening to The Partnerhood Podcast with Christy Sears Thompson. For anyone joining us today, my name is Christy Sears Thompson. I am the creator of The Partnerhood, and my interviewee and guest today is Dr. Stephanie Duger. And I am really happy to have her here with me so that we can discuss her book, Preparing for Parenthood, which I'm super excited to talk about. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Christy. Um, so I'm Stephanie Duger, and I just completed this book, just published this book, Preparing for Parenthood, um, 55 Essential Conversations for Couples Becoming Families. I'm also a mom to two children who are eight and 13, been married a little more than, well, almost 15 years, but together 17 years. Um, and I have a private psychotherapy practice in Boulder, Colorado. Um, I am kind of rebranding and switching gears a little bit. Um, I'm going to be doing more teaching of classes and things like that online and hopefully creating a podcast in the next two to three months. So a lot of my focus is going towards creating these new pieces. Um, and you know, my work with clients is really focused on working with expectant and new parents and their little ones. Uh, I love that we do very similar work. I work a lot with expectant and new parent couples and families as well. And I do some play therapy with littles. And it's really been wonderful to find that niche because I know if you can get to that foundation in the beginning of like when a family is starting, you can hopefully address a lot of those things that might come up as conversations or red flags or other kind of warning, like, hey, this is coming up. You should probably pay attention to this. Those are great things to start with families rather than trying to repair after the fact. It's more preparative than reparative. Right. Yeah, I think that is really the key, especially for um, the little ones. So I've done a lot of trauma and early attachment work in my private practice and I'm kind of moving out of the trauma area a little bit, but um, so much of what we can go back to and, um, and work on with adults is stuff that happened either during pregnancy while they were actually gestating when they were being born or in the first few years after they were born. Um, and obviously all of childhood is very, um, it has a very large imprint on our behavior and experiences. But if we can work with those little ones with their families at that early, early time, then they can grow up and not have to come to therapy when they're 40 years old which is so great, right? They, they get to kind of live free of some of the more challenging pieces that other people um, might deal with. I'm a huge proponent of um, preparation versus reparation, although reparation is great because we can do that as well. Um, but it's so wonderful to help people get set up for the best experience that they can right. have. And it helps maybe avoid some of that heartache of trying to repair things because it's like if I only would have you know known or if I would have 
had some sort of preparation, you know, I think a lot of people think of premarital counseling, like that's a thing, but a lot of people don't think about pre-baby counseling because that's not really a thing, but it really should be. <laughs> um, I mean, in my opinion, I think that mm -hmm. there's yeah. so much transition to happen when a couple comes in together and they're making a baby and making a family and expanding their family more so than when they get married, um, at least nowadays. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, I think it's critical, and I think so much of the emphasis, at least in um, in the culture in the U.S. and in general, is um, you know we're we're nervous to talk about certain things, right? We don't want to really let parents know, hey, it can be really hard the first year, the first three years of your child's life. Um, not because your child is so hard, but that adjustment um, and figuring out how to be a family together and work together mm -hmm. um, is really challenging for a lot of people. And then we pile on top of that things like sleep deprivation or potential health challenges that might happen, or perhaps the parents aren't, you know, in, in the greatest place when they have a, a baby and they're already struggling with things like communication. Um, and so helping people really get prepared around it is, I think, I think it's critical. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's really, I know for myself and my husband, we're both therapists. Um, we've both done tons of work on ourselves. I had read every book out there on parenting and I'm not, not even kidding. Um, and I had worked with children and families um, since I've been working. So my entire career has been working with children and families. Um, and so I kind of went into parenthood, like I was pregnant thinking, yeah, like I, I know it's going to be an adjustment, but I was feeling pretty confident <laughs> going, into, going into parenthood. And I'd already, you know, had a couple of different established careers. I was like, I'm, I'm ready. And it was so humbling to become a parent for the first time for both myself and my husband. And I know he wouldn't mind me speaking to this, but it was really um, very challenging in a lot of ways. And, and we were kind of left feeling like, hey, this is kind of an exclusive club that no one really no one really gives you the lowdown on it because no one wants to bother somebody, you know, no one wants to bother a pregnant woman or a pregnant couple um, telling them that it's hard or yeah. it can be hard. You know, or scare them and make yeah. them feel like they're going into something right. that they're going to regret. Exactly. And um, to that point, like I have no regrets around becoming a parent. Um, and I think it's the most amazing thing in the world. And um, I think there's a lot to be said for some honesty around it. Like, hey, it's, it's pretty normal to um, have some really challenging times um, and to really kind of stumble if you find your way through it. And especially as you become a parent, but then there's becoming a parent to two kids. So if you decide to have more than one, 
and there are you know changes in jobs and i can't even imagine this past year with the pandemic what you know people have been going through other than what i hear from clients but it you know it's really hard to have a baby now and be navigating that and thankfully things are changing a little bit but that experience of being isolated and having a baby um i think there is su such a huge um piece around getting solid social support when you have a baby. Yeah. I want to ask a question about your book, if you don't mind. How did you come up with some of those conversation starters? There's 55 essential conversations is what you've put in there. And it, you've made it a really practical guide for couples who are expecting a baby uh, to talk about these things and make it a little bit easier. So. Was it stuff from your own experience, stuff from your clients, a mix of both? That's a great question. So a lot of the questions were questions that are conversations that I wished that my husband and I had um, had known to ask. So um, things that we hadn't hadn't thought about and, and really, really hadn't thought through. So for example, um, questions around roles and how our roles would change after a baby came. And for me, that was one of the biggest transitions because I had always worked. Um, and I, um, interestingly, our entire team where I was working was laid off a couple months just before um, I had our first baby. Um, so I didn't have a job to go to anyway, but I was planning to take time off. And that transition from being, um, of a career person into being a full-time mom um, was really, uh, it was amazing and wonderful and also hard in terms of redefining myself and figuring out what that looked like. And I remember going to a gathering and some um, younger person walked up and said, you know, I didn't know this person. And he said, so what do you do? And I, I looked at him and I remember just kind of blanking for a minute like, what do I do? He kind of went like, just kind of froze. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get some food. And he walked off <laughs> and that was it. And I remember feeling, um, you know, surprised by that experience. And then I had to really think about it. Like, what, what do I do? Like, how do I define myself now? So that's where a lot of the conversations came from. And then a lot of the conversations were, things that clients would bring up in my office, right? So they'd ask about, um, you know, intimacy is a big one that came up a lot. And just things around sleep and postpartum and um, how do I, you know, how do I navigate having this little human who's um, completely dependent on me 24 hours a day and um, still, you know, sleep and make sure there's self-care and things like that. So that's where another chunk came from. And then I sent out this collection to a bunch of um, readers and just said, hey, can you check it out? And, and I got a few more questions from that, like, hey, you haven't added this piece to this conversation. So we were just talking about how you kind of got some inspiration for writing your book about preparing for parenthood from both your own experiences and from clients that you were meeting with and you were able to compile it into these 55 essential conversations, how did you even whittle it down 
to 55 because I think there would be probably a lot more even than that. Yeah, so I wanted to make it usable and I wanted to make it um, really practical for people. So I didn't want to overwhelm people with 5,000 conversations you should have before you <laughs> become a parent. Um, I wanted it to be a book that you could just pick up and open up to any page and have not only a conversation, um, but an action item. And on one side, there's a conversation. And on the other side, there's an action item you can take um, so that uh, people who feel like they need to do something, not just talk about it, would feel like they have some agency, like a place to start. Right. So I picked out the conversations that felt most important in this period of time to me personally, um, and really thought about how to compile that in a way that felt manageable. So the whole first part of the book is on communication. Um, and for me, that's one of the two pillars of a healthy foundation of um, a healthy relationship. And the other pillar for an intimate relationship is intimacy. And so I really focus on those two pieces as, hey, let's talk about your communication style and how do you respond um, under stress or duress? Because there will be a lot of experiences in becoming a parent that leave you feeling a little frazzled, right? It's, it's natural, it's what's supposed to happen. And the better your communication skills, the easier it will be to navigate these issues with your partner. And you're also modeling that for your child, right? So as your child gets older, they're not just hearing kind of nonsense words, they're putting words together and how do my parents speak to one another? So my, my grounding force in that was the communication is the essential piece. The intimacy is what keeps you connected, it's what sends off your dopamine and oxytocin and everything else and keeps you coming back for more with your partner. And then um, all the other pieces are important to talk about as well, but this is the, in my mind, real foundation of um, setting yourself up well to move into parenthood as a couple. Thanks. So it is structured in a way that is, there's kind of themes to be able to review, <laughs> at least to start off with that communication piece. I think you're absolutely spot on. Communication is a huge thing. And if that's not going well, then a lot of things kind of fall apart. I can say nine times out of 10, the most people want to come to me for is help with communication. And I mean, that's that's like a number one thing when I ask on their goals and their intake paperwork, I'm like, well, what do you want to work on? Number one is almost always communication. Yeah, it, it really is critical, right? It makes or breaks the relationship. And communication is such a kind of a nuanced experience, right? It's not just the words that you're saying. It's your body language, it's your tone of voice, it's your ability to make eye contact or not, it's your ability to reach out for support or not, it's how you navigate conflict or not, right? 
So, um, and because a lot of my background is in attachment theory, um, my perception is that a lot of this really gets laid down when we're very small and uh, we have our attachment, our different attachment styles and they connect or don't connect as well with other people's. And so communication is one of those places where it can, you really shine a spotlight on the couple's skills around it. And the beautiful thing about communication is that it is a skill, right? You can build it, even if you're not a great communicator, if you're very quiet or you talk too much or whatever your thing is, you can work on it and improve those skills and it makes your partnership better. Absolutely. I completely agree. And something else that I was thinking of as you were talking about attachment, if anyone's tuning in with us today who doesn't really understand what attachment means, could you give like a very basic description of what an attachment style is? Sure, I'll do my best. So this is um, attachment theory. It's different, I wanna um, just say that it's different than attachment parenting, which a lot of people might have heard of. Um, and they come from the same basis, but attachment parenting is a very specific thing um, created by the Sears. And attachment theory um, is a much older concept um, created by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And, um, and it's really about uh, the child and their experience of feeling connected to another person, most specifically, usually a parent or a caregiver and what that looks like. So people with a, what we call a secure attachment, somebody who keeps their distance a little bit um, and kind of observes or somebody who may be hot and cold, like come towards me, no, go away. Come towards me, no, go away. And then there's another, another area that we don't need to talk about here, but it's, um, you know, disorganized attachment, but thus I'm not going to go into that. And then bonding, bonding is the parent or caregiver's attachment to the child. So we don't call that technically an attachment, we call it bonding. But the experiences that we have as little people from pregnancy, from conception on, right, pregnancy on, um, that forms our whole foundation of how we relate to other people in the world. And so the ideal is to move towards a more secure attachment. So even if you come into the world with an insecure attachment, it's okay. That's all stuff that can be worked on. And the goal is to move towards more security and ease in the world. Yeah. And we see a lot of that as therapists when we work with couples because they might have some different kinds of insecure attachments that they're bringing into their relationship, not necessarily with their child, but with their significant other. And that can do some damage if they don't work on those things within themselves before they become parents. That would be more of that preparation that we were talking about. It's like recognize some stuff in yourself that might affect who you become as a parent. 
because if you didn't have a great relationship with your parents and caregivers as a child, that kind of stuff can show up in your own parenting. And a lot of times I'll see people who tell me, I cannot believe the things that I just said, that my mother came out of my mouth. <laughs> and it was like something I never ever wanted to do or say to my own child. And I just blurted it out and I felt horrible afterwards. And those are the things that I think people really need to uh, uh, pay attention to and heal. Um, not necessarily before they have kids. I mean, yes, if that's possible, but just recognizing it and trying to work through that so that you don't pass on those more disruptive kinds of attachments would be a lot more helpful for the newer generation that we're raising as parents to come into the world with a little bit more secure attachment and love and feeling like we're heard and understood and appreciated for who we are and all of those things. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I think to um, just to kind of buoy people, um, the beauty is you can keep working with these issues your whole life. Um, mm -hmm. And there's something around understanding what it actually looks like. So what would a therapist look for when they say, oh, this person has an insecure style of attachment? What does it look like in conflict or under stress? Because you can appear one way, kind of going through your daily life, and all of a sudden you hit some kind of roadblock or you have some kind of blow up with your partner. It's how you respond or how you react if you're not aware. And so they wanna be better, not only for themselves, but for their kids. And I really appreciate that point of view. It's so helpful to know that there's people out there who care that they understand what they do makes a big impact because they're aware of it from their own childhood experience. And it's not just, oh, well, you know, I got spankings and I'm fine. I think that's kind of starting to go away. I don't hear that quite as much anymore. I mean, yes, it still exists, but that people are being more aware and um, introspective, that's the word I'm looking for. They're being more introspective about their own experiences and how they can have healthier relationships with the people that they love, including their partners and their kids. And I love that. And th those are my people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what a gift to be able to do that work, right? Um, I think a lot of people, you know, they're not even aware that, that there's an issue, right? And often um, when we hear about people who are not aware that there's an issue, it's because often they're blaming their partner. Like it's all my partner's fault. If they could just get it together, everything would be fine, you know? And, and what it, I think it's important to remember is there are always three pieces in any relationship. So there's you, there's your partner, and then there's the actual relationship itself. So you have to work on all three pieces of that. Right? And you can't just put everything on one person or say, it's just the relationship. Um, because that's not fair. No. It doesn't actually work that way. And there's also so much history that people bring into relationships from their own families. And that can be really messy too. If you have some trauma or abuse, not everybody has trauma or abuse, but that definitely makes it harder 
you're not going to usually come together and build a life and a family with someone who had a exact same background as you. That's really uncommon in my experience. <laughs> I mean, unless you grew up together and you you had the same kind of neighborhood and family and friends, and then you'd be like super close your entire lives and then you get married, sure. But I don't know how often that really happens. Right, especially in this day. day. Right. I, I think there's a lot of people who are all over the place and they come together and they meet, you know, in adulthood or in college or something like that. Of course, they're going to come from different backgrounds. And so taking that into account too can make it even more complicated because you have your own stuff, your partner has their own stuff, and then you're trying to mush that stuff together to make something functional <laughs> for a family to raise a child right. in. And that is very messy and complicated sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely is. And then, you know, your child has their own experience as well, right? So they're they're coming into the world from wherever children come from. Um, you know, they clearly on the physical level, they come from us, but who knows what they're coming in with. They're their own people. Um, and I don't think you ever see that um, more in a more obvious way than if you have more than one child, mm -hmm. right? So for example, our two children um, are completely different humans right? Very different people and very different temperaments. And, um, and they, they get along so well, they adore each other most of the time. Um, but it's <laughs> put that little disclaimer in there. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. But um, it's still, you know, they're, what I learned by parenting our first and continuing to parent her is that I couldn't apply all the pieces to the second child, right? A very different personality and temperament. And so it was like starting over in some ways and getting to know and um, figuring out how to work with this other human being who was very different and mm -hmm. amazing, right? So um, I think that there's something to be said in that um, just because you parent one, it doesn't mean that you understand parenting, right? Parenting is like, or you, you, you know, parent 10 for that matter. Like your children are your children and everybody's different. Like humans are so complex. And so for me, part of writing this book was I didn't want to put a lot of um, opinion in there or like, this is how you should parent. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of amazing advice out there for parents and for me, I feel like it's such an individual and couple kind of journey that my experience in my family is going to be totally different from your experience in your family because we have those backgrounds that are different, right? We're different people and we may have different values and different beliefs and different life experiences. And so providing people with conversations versus here's what you do if this happens, which could have a thousand different answers, right? To pick any one of them and see which one works for you. Right. Right. Um, it's really about finding your own way as a couple and like what works for us in our family, in our situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, 
that's something that I really try to invite parents in my practice and in workshops and things to kind of hone in on like, who are you and what's going to work for you? And if you try this and you're really set on doing it this way and it doesn't work, what else can you try, right? And you can reach out and ask lots of people. You can ask 10 people and get 10 different pieces of advice and you will get so much advice as a parent. Everybody wants to tell you how to do it and they can't. I mean, that's, they can give you advice and you can use it or not use it, but it, so much of it is like a, a feeling. Like if I don't feel right, for example, putting my child in timeout or something like that doesn't feel right for me, my child's gonna feel that and it's not gonna go well, right? If I'm really clear and calm and like, this is what needs to happen, this is what's good for this situation, my child's gonna feel that, they still might not like the experience, but it'll be a different reaction or response than if I don't feel good about it. Mm -hmm. So using that intuition and that feeling sense of what it, what's gonna work best for our family in this situation, I think it's really important. Yeah, and it is so individualized and tailored to the specific experiences that each person has and what their parenting style is like and what feels good for them. And you're absolutely right. You know, take every piece of advice with a grain of salt and see which ones you wanna keep and which ones you don't. Otherwise you'll go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have to don't Google a whole bunch of stuff at three o'clock in the morning. Don't do it. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like if you're not feeling well, and you start scrolling, you start looking around on the internet, all of a sudden you have 50 different kinds of diseases and you have a week left to live and this and that, right? It can be totally overwhelming and pretty scary. So asking for advice is a really important thing. It's a good thing and it's a good way to get perspective. And then also really feeling into what does this feel like? Do I really have 20 different diseases or am I, you know, am I struggling with a cold, right? Right. It's like you just kind of figure things out a little bit at a time as you go along. Yeah. And I think for first time parents, there's maybe a higher level of anxiety because it's the first time you're doing anything like this. So it's all so brand new. And even though if you do have children after that first one and you add to your family, you may have a little less anxiety, but you still, like you were saying, there are different people, different personalities and temperaments. And it's really um, <laughs> not a guarantee that whatever you did with the first one is going to work for your second one. So maybe just take heart that it's okay for there to be differences and maybe how you even parent your two children or three children or however many you have because one of them might be a lot more sensitive than the other. And so you can say something to one of them that might be really hurtful to the other one if you say it in a particular way. So like learning those communication skills and learning your loved one's responses and their triggers and things like that can be really, really valuable as well. So not only for your 
your relationship with your partner, but with your kids too, learning as they grow and as you all grow together, how you can better effectively manage conflict with each other because you understand each other's soft spots and like and triggers and trigger points. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, Christy. And, yeah. Um, How could really people reach out to, to you? you? if they resonate with you and they'd like to contact you or how can they get your book? Sure, so my book is on Amazon and my email is in this book. Um, I have a website that's um, drdugertherapy.com. So D-R and then my last name, D-U-E-G-E-R, therapy.com. Um, so please reach out if, if you wanna get in contact. Perfect. Thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. Whoever comes and listens and joins us today, I appreciate you as well. We will be back next week, actually on Thursday. Uh, so we're a little bit of a weird week next week, but tune in with us next week with our next interviewee. Hopefully you take care till then. You've been listening to the Partnerhood Podcast with Christy Sears-Thompson. Please stay tuned for our next episode.